This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just to flag that today's episode of the Indo Daily contains some content that listeners might find distressing. Today on the Indo Daily. I've never been on a social welfare pain in my life. I've worked my whole life. From Sinn Féin, darling. I've no criminal convictions whatsoever. For a breach of the peace probably 20 years ago. To facilitating a murder. I've no links, connections to criminality or any crime organisations in, in any shape or form. To his own security threats. The very dark demise of Jonathan Dowdall. On the 5th of February in 2016, raiders disguised as Gardaí with AK-47 assault rifles stormed a Dublin hotel. Now, the Regency shooting, as it became known, resulted in the killing of David Byrne, an associate of the Kinahan cartel, and it sparked a massive gangland feud between the Hutch and Kinahan cartels as a result. The murder escalated the ongoing feud, which has so far cost 18 lives. Now, today, Jonathan Dowdall a 44-year-old former Sinn Féin councillor and his father Patrick will be prosecuted for their part in the Regency shooting. 44-year-old Jonathan Dowdell from the Navan Road in Cabra in Dublin pleaded guilty to facilitating the murder by making a room at the hotel available for a criminal organisation. His father pleaded guilty to the same offence. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and on today's episode, I'm joined by senior news reporter in the Irish Independent, Robin Schiller, to look at Jonathan Dowdall's fall from grace and what happens next in the Regency shooting investigation and its related gangland feud. Robin, I want to talk to you about the Regency hotel attack, but can we first talk about what's been going on over the weekend and major kind of security alerts at the home of Dowdle? Yeah, it's been a pretty hairy couple of days. So obviously on Wednesday, we saw that Jonathan Dowdle pleaded guilty to facilitating the Regency murder. And within 24 hours, there was a major security alert at his property. What we know at this stage is that three men with links to the Hutch crime gang uh, appeared at his family home around three o'clock in the day. Now it's understand that, understood that some sort of threats were made and Gardy were alerted. And these men, attempts were made to intercept them in the Kulak area where one of them lives. 
Um, there was also reports that a, possibly a firearm of some sort may be involved. That turned out not to be the case. There was no firearm recovered. But it certainly shows, you know, the threats around John Dowd, not only from the Kinnan gang. Uh, he obviously facilitated a murder of one of their members, but also of the people that he was once associated with. So, you know, Jonathan Dowd now is looking at over shoulder on both sides from the Kinnan crime gang and from the Hutch gang. And, you know, certainly he'll be uh, very wary of his own security in the, the next while. So, Robin, let's talk about the Regency Hotel shootings. And you were actually there on the day of the shooting in February 2016, right? I was. Um, that weekend, a boxing event was planned for the National Stadium, uh, billed as the Clash of the Clans, involving a company set up by Daniel Kinahan. And the Friday beforehand, a boxing wing was set up for the Regency Hotel on the Swords Road in Whitehall. And there had been, you know, several attempts and high-profile incidents in the months leading up to this. There was the murder of Gary Hutch, a former member of the Kinahan gang. There was attempts on the Kinahan associates and on Jerry Hutch himself in Lanzarote on, on New Year's, the previous New Year's. So there were security concerns, obviously, and we were aware of this. We were aware that, you know, some or certain members of the Kinahan gang may be present. And we, myself and a colleague, a photographer, were dispatched there in a kind of undercover capacity to, I suppose, just keep an eye on the way in and report any kind of incidentals. So you were just keeping it very low-key and just observing, really? Completely, yeah. It's not a place where you'd walk in, uh, I suppose, unannounced with a, a camera and a notepad, yeah. just given the people that were there. It just was a, that was a no-go. So we went in just as kind of casual observers, um, observed the way and observed Daniel Kinnan there, a number of his associates. And it was all, there was, you know, children, families here. It was a normal boxing way and there's nothing untoward about it, apart from the fact that obviously present were people involved in organised crime as well. Before half two, I think it was, the wane had kind of nearly finished and we made our way out. We were satisfied with the material we'd got and as we walked out the door, there was a bit of a commotion behind us and we heard somebody shout, it's all kicking off in there. And as we turned back around to face the front, it was front road in front of the hotel, there was three men, uh, masked men, wearing what appeared to be guard uniforms, carrying big weapons. And as uh, myself and the photographer walked down the steps, they started shouting at us, get the F out of here, uh, get the F down, and pointing their weapons at us. And at this stage, we still thought it was a guard raid, so I put my hands up and walked across the road, and my photographer, in fairness to him, kind of stood still and stayed beside the uh, front entrance of the hotel. And then it quickly emerged that it wasn't a guard raid. There was a crack of gunshots, what well, transported to be gunshots, um, people screaming, it was just pure chaos, you know, people running out of the hotel. Um, children, women, men carrying behind walls, getting out of the crosshairs. And then it went on for a few minutes and these Gardaí, which weren't Gardaí, emerged and jumped into a transit van and drove off and, you know, fairly quickly transpired that it wasn't a guard raid. It was an attack and, you know, it left one man, David Byrne, dead, two others injured. And that essentially would ignite that gangland feud. There'd obviously been attempts beforehand. Um, there'd been one murder and several attempts, but this certainly was what kicked off that feud and saw 18 lives lost over the next two years. Yeah, David Byrne was an associate of the Kinahan gang. Yeah, he was a close associate of Daniel Kinnan and that crime group. He would be involved in that organisation for several years. His brother Liam as well uh, is still considered a close member of that gang. And that was certainly a, a, a high profile murder to be carried out by the Hutch gang. Now, Aspie, you know, remember that their main target was Daniel Kinahan and who managed to escape at the time. I see him there, maybe six metres from me. 
And then I see like this, and then I see the, the gun at the back. And then I go, and I get boom, 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 boom. Shots get let go behind me. And he was ferried away, I think, by a security team and left the country fairly straight afterwards. So ultimately, despite the meticulous planning that was involved, you know, people, a man in drag, uh, gunmen in fake guard uniforms, their mission as such ultimately failed and Daniel Kinnan managed to escape. And so where does uh, Jonathan Dowdall fit into all of this narrative? Yeah, so obviously immediately after a major investigation was launched by Gardaí at Ballymongarda Station and fairly quickly they identified people who were involved in the periphery who would have provided logistical support and the name that cropped up was a woman with connections to Jonathan Dowdall. Uh, an innocent woman has to be said. She probably didn't even know that she, what she was getting herself involved in. But her card would have been used to book a hotel room at the Regency the day before for Kevin Murray, who was known more so as Flat Cap. He would have been one of the gunmen who made no attempts to disguise his face. Uh, he'd ultimately died from motor neurone disease, but he was certainly a suspect in a murder. And that's how Jonathan Dowdall's name cropped up. And within a month of the Regency, his home was raided in a fairly high-profile operation and that cast his name into the light. The house was raided under Section 9 um, as being a suspected member of the IRA and they were in search of firearms and explosives. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that was the reason why the, the, the help. I don't know why that is. It, it was a complete shock to me. The first I've I seen and known of it was um, a lot of armed guards coming to the, to, to the house. I, I just happened to be able to open the door on time. Um, and they didn't burst through the door and then I was held at gunpoint in the house. And so Robin, prior to this, uh, Jonathan Dowdall, for many people in um, North Inner City, Dublin, and indeed in and around the Navan Road where he lives, would have been seen as a, a former Sinn Féin councillor. And, um, you know, we've seen the, the photos of Jonathan beside Mary Lou MacDonald, Sinn Féin's leader. And he was actually something of a protégé for her as well, wasn't he? He certainly would have been at the time. In 2014, he would have been picked to stand for election in the local elections in her constituency in the Northern City. And he ultimately won that. He got a council seat. And I'm sure he would have had aspirations of even running for uh, the Dáil at some stage had events not transpired the way they did. But yeah, he was well thought of. Things were going well from Mary Lou MacDonald was previously quoted saying she had a very good relationship with him at the time. Um, he also had a successful electoral business. They were getting work around the country and quite profitable. So it was all going well. And then uh, slowly but surely, questions started to emerge. He left Sinn Féin on the council in September 2014. Uh, he made a reappearance for several months in October. But ultimately, at the start of 2015, he quit the party and later claimed that he left because of bullying. Um, now, as we said, these claims were strenuously denied by Sinn Féin. Uh, Mary Lou Macdonald at the time said there was no... Uh, complaints made by him and there was nothing to substantiate the claims of bullying and I suppose looking back at it now it is kind of ironic that you see the crimes he's been convicted of of facilitating a murder of uh, torturing a man that he would claim that he was bullied uh, within that political party. Actually, Robin, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about right now. So you mentioned the raid on his house um, and that happened in March 2016, a month after the Regency Hotel shooting. And it was that particular raid on his house that kind of opened a Pandora's box for Dowdle and indeed his father, Patrick. It did. Um, as I said earlier, initially that um, search was carried out in relation to the Regency Hotel and it was a treasure trove for different reasons. His BMW worth around 80,000 euro was seized. His motorbike was also recovered. Electronic devices were seized. 
And Gardy also had to get in divers because he had a massive uh, aquarium in the back shed of his property. It was so vast that you know, specialist divers had to go in and search it for firearms and ammunition linked to the Regency Hotel. But what they also recovered, unbeknownst to anyone at the time, apart from very few people, was a USB key which essentially contained a torture video on it. And when inquiries were carried out, it was established that uh, a year previously, in around January 2015, a man known as Alex Hurley had attempted to buy a, a bike from Jonathan Dowdall. Now, Jonathan obviously had some kind of serious concerns about this. He became suspicious of Alexander Hurley. He carried out his own inquiries into him and discovered that he was actually a convicted fraudster. And instead of reporting this or letting the matter be, uh, feeling he was going to be scammed, he took the matter into his own hands. And that led to that horrific torture of Alex Hurley in January 2015. And before we even knew about that, that torture incident, the waterboarding incident, we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, Dowdall himself took to the National Airwaves and talked to Joe on Liveline about how he had no clue whatsoever as to why the Guardi were raiding his own home. Well, how are you, Jonathan? You're all over the front page of the lot of newspapers today about your house being raided. What happened? Life is upside down at the moment, Joe, can tell you the truth. Uh, my family are in an awful state. My daughter won't go to work. She, she won't go to college. Um, Just the day after the raid, he appeared on, he did what most people in this country do when they were grieved. He rang into Joe Duffy on the live line and you know, set out his complaints about the Garda raid. He said he'd absolutely no idea why they would search his property. He claimed he'd no links to crime or any criminal gang. He did admit that he knew and was proud to know members of the Hutch family, as he put it, but they were links going back to the inner city and normal for people from that area. And he also denied having links to the Kinnan crime gang. Um, these claims obviously were completely untrue. He not only had links to the Hutch gang, but was intricately involved in one of the murders they carried out at the Regency. And as well as that, he was obviously significantly involved in the torture of another human being. So, you know, many people would have been investigated at the time. He's the only one who went on Joe Duffy. And, you know, that interview, looking back to him now, it was just a litany of lie after lie. And um, Alex Hurley as well. I mean, he eventually would talk to Joe as well on Liveline and, and give his side of the story. And, um, you know, he, he confirmed what was being reported in terms of, yes, he had been waterboarded, um, that he had his his limbs tied with cables, that he feared for his life. Um, and there were some really gruesome details that emerged, weren't there, Robin? Like, you know, that um, Dowdell had threatened to cut off his fingers with pliers or set his dogs on him. He mentioned dogs, Alex. Were you aware that he had dogs? Yes, I was aware. I was told he had dogs that I was going to be their next meal. How long did this ordeal last for? Can you, can you pinpoint it? Or? I can't specifically pinpoint it, but it was two hours or so. And how did you finally get out of that place? I was released and I was dumped in a remote part of Dublin mm. and told never and told to get out of Dublin and never return again. Otherwise you'd be dead. The evidence given in court and recalled by Alex Hurley in the years since was fairly gruesome and you know, vivid descriptions of what happened in that that shed of John Dowdall's house, which was carried out not just by Jonathan Dowdall, but his father Patrick as well. And in the course of two hours, they would have beaten him. They would have shaved his head. They made allegations they had links to the IRA. At one stage, they considered whether they should uh, chop him up and feed him to the dogs. And they also waterboarded him. 
So it was a fairly horrific ordeal for Alex Hurley. And, you know, he would himself recount how he feared for his life. And quite obviously, this was a serious concern, the horror he was put through and the level of violence used. And he was in complete fear of the Dowdalls at the time. And we probably would never know about what had happened to Alex Hurley had that raid not happened. No, it was by pure happenstance that Gardy came across that device. Now, they'd obviously planned to seize electronic devices, which may link back to Regency in some way. And just by pure chance, they recovered this USB device, which had uh, the video on it. So the Dowdalls essentially uh, sealed their own fate by not only carrying out this attack on Alex Hurley, but also by video recording it. And even during that court case in the Special Criminal Court, questions were raised by the judge as to who recorded that video. Now, the Dowdalls themselves denied or claimed to not recall who recorded it. So this is Patrick and Jonathan, Patrick being the father. So it's the two Dowdalls involved in this. The two Dowdalls were involved in this, yeah. And they would ultimately be sentenced to uh, seven years for Jonathan and four years for Patrick in relation to the false imprisonment. But there was also questions raised as to who actually recorded this video because two men were involved and seen on the video and the third party would have had to record it. And there was obviously questions raised about that. And it may have been a female who actually captured that video. And I think the the judge in his remarks said, you know, not only were they involved in this heinous crime, but they also got a third party, probably a female known to them to record it, which you know, further aggravated what they had done. Tell me, Robin, what emerged last week in relation to an admission concerning the Regency Hotel shootings? Yeah, so obviously they, they were serving their time in Weefield Prison for the false imprisonment and that guard investigation at Ballymun Garda Station was continuing. And last in April of last year, both Patrick and Jonathan Dowdall were brought before the Special Criminal Court. Now, Patrick was charged with facilitating the murder by making a hotel room available to the gang involved. And Jonathan was charged with the actual murder of David Byrne. And fast forward to last week, uh, the father and son appeared before the Special Criminal Court. Uh, unexpectedly, they weren't scheduled to appear as such. And they entered guilty pleas. Uh, Patrick Dowdall admitted to the charge he was originally uh, accused of and Jonathan Dowdall admitted to a lesser charge of facilitating the murder by making a hotel room available. Um, so it was the first, it's the first time somebody has been convicted in relation to Regency murder and it was the first admissions in relation to that investigation. Robin, can you talk to me a little bit about what's happening this week? So we have Patrick and Jonathan Dowdall who uh, will be prosecuted today for their admissions in relation to the Regency Hotel shootings. But there's uh, there's other trials going on as well, some quite high profile people. Uh, absolutely. So uh, Jonathan and Patrick Dowdall are obviously uh, have pleaded guilty to this and will be sentenced but three other people are due to go on trial after that sentencing hearing takes place and one of them is Gerard Hutch known as the Monk and he is still accused of the murder of David Byrne now Gerard Hutch was uh, extradited back from Spain last year and he made several attempts not just to block his uh, extradition back to Ireland but also has made attempts to halt his trial at the Special Criminal Court completely he's appealed to the High Court here that uh, his trial shouldn't take place at the non-jury court, that uh, it has no jurisdiction. And he's also made efforts to have his case heard that the trial should not proceed because of a lack of evidence. These have all ultimately failed and he is due to go on trial today in relation to the murder of David Byrne. And two other men, two co-accused, are also due to stand trial and they are accused of facilitating the murder of David Byrne by making vehicles available to the criminal organisation involved in that murder. Is there any redemption for Dowdall in all of this? No, I think that ship has long sailed for Jonathan Dowdall. Obviously, with the, the initial conviction of false imprisonment 
And then with this subsequent uh, guilty plea and uh, prosecution for facilitating such a high-profile murder and such a, uh, it really was a seminal moment in Irish criminal history, that Regency murder. So there's certainly no, any future aspirations he might have of being involved in politics, setting up successful business again are gone. And I think the most important thing from his perspective now will be, you know, looking over his shoulder, uh, looking after his own safety, because as I said earlier, not just the Kinnan organised crime gang, have made threats against them. But now there are certainly fears that that Hutch criminal gang may also have a, a bit of animus towards him after that guilty plea last week. My thanks to Robin Schiller for joining me today. I'm Siobhan Maguire and today's episode was produced and researched by myself with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE 61 News, RTE Radio 1's Liveline, Storyful, Virgin Media News and Independent.ie If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.